Hi, this is Roger Green, host of the Surfing the Mash Tsunami podcast. This week, we are offering five conversations from episode four, our review of mottled epidemiology and disease burden with Zobar Yanasi, plus from the vault, an epidemiology discussion from back in 2022. Louise Campbell starts this conversation by hearkening back to the issue of postmenopausal women. As she notes, women provide most of the hands-on care in the health system and also do most of the cooking and food shopping for the home. So Louise, targeting women also targets children for all those reasons. So educating women will have multiple derivative benefits. Zobair agrees completely, particularly for the low SBI countries. I suggest that slowing prevalence in disease has two elements regardless of the country. Fewer patients at the starting line, that is with early mazel, and then better therapies and programs for patients who already live with disease. In this context, I ask whether consumer uptake of GLP-1s in the U.S. and other markets for obesity might have an impact. Zobair states that educating children is the key long-term driver, and the effect of consumer medical behaviors like taking GLP-1s is likely to be minimal and short-lived. He also believes that mazel D requires more attention from global and national government and non-governmental payers, starting like now. We do not have a formal closing question, but the rest of the conversation feels like a wrap-up of each panelist's perspective. Zobar Yanasi has spent decades building a knowledge base that is a significant part of how the world looks at Mazel D patient dynamics and trends today. This discussion encapsulates some of that wisdom in the context of winter 2024. It intrigues while it educates. So just sit back, listen, enjoy, learn. And when you're done, join our dialogue in the LinkedIn discussion group. Louise Campbell. Yeah, I was just going to make a comment and basically tie it into the menopausal health thing. Women provide the majority of healthcare, but the majority of the workforce were also the majority of people who do the shopping, the cooking, and the preparation of food. So by targeting women and awareness of their own liver health, and particularly where children are concerned, we may actually be the opportunity to look at some of those countries that are less provided for by actually the education. It comes back to education, education, education. But I think women in their role in society and the family, if we're better educated, we can provide better and do better and be less the patient rather than the mechanism for change from that perspective. It was just when you were talking there. Zobar Yunasi. Louise, I cannot agree with you more. And, and actually, it may be slightly different than highest year countries and lowest year countries, but regardless of where you live, sort of the lifestyle habit, the eating habit, and the activity habit could be influenced significantly by women in the household. And I think focusing and targeting that segment of the population would be extremely important. And I agree with you. I think this would be a very important aspect. I would say that in the lowest year countries, that's predominantly the role of women and how to educate them to address this. That would be an incredibly important step to take. Roger Green. Interesting. The thought I'd had, and Louise, thanks, that connects, and you've said it neatly to one of the things I was thinking, is when you deal with the rate at which population is coming into this disease, right, you've got two separate issues. Number one is, can you put your foot on the hose so that you slow the rate of patients kind of at the start line? And then how do we do a better job of treating people who are at different points in the disease process? So I was going to ask a question about actually diet as a place to put your foot on the hose. I'm also wondering what the effect will be in the high SDI countries as, as the GLP ones, as the increments become more widely used for obesity and diabetes, particularly obesity, and in the States right now, particularly at a consumer level, right? These, these ads that we see everywhere. Do you see that as having an effect? Yes. In terms of how to reduce the rate of this disease, I actually, I'm a big believer it has to start very early in life, like all the other, you know, metabolic diseases. You can't really deal with obesity and type 2 diabetes unless you deal with how our kids are actually getting educated about eating habits and about lifestyle. That's a policy decision that, that has to be 
be made and promoted. And it, it is, as you know, it is extremely difficult sort of subject uh, because it's being impacted by so many and you know things with food industry, with automobile industry, with stress of modern life, etc. So it's it's very complicated. But I think that's where we need to sort of address this. What are GLP ones are going to have an impact? I actually think that in terms of addressing the metabolic disease, it's a metabolic sort of drug. It is not only a, it's not a liver specific class of drugs, but of course that will improve things in general for a patient or a group of patients. From a policy perspective, from a population perspective, I think it'd be a minor dent in the problem we are facing. That problem has to be addressed by public health and global health initiatives, and it has to be changed by making sure that the disease is understood as an important non-communicable disease and that there are resources at the national and global level that actually will be focused towards this. Now, I always get this question, well, you know, if I'm in a country that has high rate of mortality from infections, would I care about disease that may kill uh, patients, you know, 50 years from now versus something that's going to be high? You know, obviously, you have to make your balancing your priorities, but amongst those priorities, in the same context that we talk about coronary artery disease or kidney disease or eye disease, liver disease should be in that priority. And I understand that a country will prioritize an infection versus a non-communicable disease, but in general, MASH has to become a part of that, those conversations and we cannot be ignored anymore. Duly noted. You're in your nodding. Jörn Schattenberg. Well, I couldn't agree more. And I think, again, Zubair has a longstanding uh, history and experience talking to payers and, and regulators based on his experience and data on the prevalence. And the Global Nash Council, again, coming back to that, has been instrumental to understanding the needs of different countries and exchanging on it, you know, even beyond the usual context we have during the professional societies. So this has really been uh, an, an, an tremendous and successful effort to support the field. I couldn't agree more. And Zubair, every time we speak, I learn a ton. It things I don't normally think about and probably should give my background. We're rolling towards one hour kind of at the bottom. So first, you're and Louise, do you have any other questions that I thought I'll go to wrap up? No, it, it reminds me of, I see MASH patients every day in my clinic. And then taking this hour off, sitting back here and in the evening, you could think of other things, but it reminds me that how important and how urgent it is to bring, move the message and, and bring forward the message of that tsunami that's really awaiting the cost of passiveness, not doing anything, starting with the kids, educating them, talking to women, talking to colleagues, identifying those patients, new drugs on the horizon. I think there's been really a lot of movement and the numbers uh, globally remind me on how important it is to act now. Excellent. Louise thought, and then I'll want to mind in the closing question. No, I agree with Jean on that. No, no thoughts. Everything's been said that needs to be said, I think. And um, we just need to get the message out there better. So listening to you, Zobar, one of the messages I'm hearing coming out of this that I haven't necessarily thought about as much as I should in the past is the importance of teaching people how to feed their families well on limited budgets, right? Because if you talk about if you talk about low SDI as being a problem of, of, of simply getting enough nutrition, then if you can align on how to maximize nutrition for low budgets, put that in the hands of the people who do the cooking, mostly women, and in the hands of governments in some way or NGOs, it, you might actually have a shot at putting your foot on the hose in that place. It's the one thing I'd not thought of before today. I'm sure you have, but I have. I think in general, that's one of the message of that study 
what my hope has been over the past 25 30 years is to just generate evidence to support our perspective about this disease that's becoming global now and i i think at this point in my career i'm grateful to people like yorn and jeff lazarus shira zabersaki there are so many other colleagues in the global nash council that we are a network to really work together this is only going to work for combating this disease if we put our egos aside and come together as colleagues and friends and and collaborate across specialties across different continents different countries to understand this disease better whether there's this impact of food insecurity whether there's impact of disease on economic burden or quality of life or clinical outcome to generate that evidence because only with that type of approach that then we can convince the policymakers and you know at the national level and at the global level of the who that this is an important disease and there we are as, as one field unified globally to move forward and i think we're doing this with help of colleagues like yorn and others to move our field forward and get attention and i think we are getting some attention at the highest level of policymaking in the united states as well as who and other places fantastic you know what i don't know that we need a closing question so bear i think that statement might suffice to end the whole conversation right there unless anybody has anything they want to add no i appreciate you giving me the opportunity to talk, to talk. this was wonderful thank you and now back to roger We hope you've enjoyed this recording. If you have any questions or comments about the content of this conversation or the entire episode, please put those in the review section of the page from which you downloaded this conversation or send an email to me, questions at surfingmash.com. We'll be back next week to discuss what new information or product to expect in NIT space in 2024. Until then, stay safe, surf on. We'll see you on the podcast. Bye-bye now. (laughs) 